0: We can start with Eric. Uh,
1: Dandavat Pranams Maharaj, uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, so my question is regarding, uh, some things I remember, uh, that you said in an answer to a previous question on last week's call regarding, uh, distinguishing between psychological ego and, uh, ahamkar, the metaphysical ego and how it's important. To keep the psychological ego healthy so one can make spiritual advancement. So, uh, sometimes I've heard, uh, some acharyas within the Gaudiya lineage speak in apparently disparaging ways about themselves, uh, you know, famous, uh, examples being from Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, uh, and sometimes Bhaktivinoda Thakur and some of his bhajans. Um, and from what I've heard, you know, this is, an outpouring of the extraordinary degree of humility that such exalted Vaishnavas have. Um, However, I also remember hearing a while ago from some devotees in the Sangha that uh, humility isn't supposed to be so much about thinking less of or disparagingly of oneself, but thinking of oneself less uh, often or something along those lines. So in relation to this, uh, the aforementioned statements of, Bhaktivinoda Thakur and others in the Gaudiya lineage, uh it's kinda of hard for me to understand how the those two can kind of go together or be harmonized. So could you please uh clarify these points and explain how aspiring sadhikas can aspire uh, can apply this uh principle of humility in a healthy and sustainable way, according to their Adi Kar.
2: Yes. Um we speak about uh, humility we're speaking about humility before before krishna before god and um obviously that plays out in a broader sense also in relation to other things and people but it's focused on humility before god and for example to do god's work to do krishna's bidding if you will to act in ways that are pleasing to Krishna, favorable for bhakti, um, may, in some instance, uh, cause one to speak very strongly and, and, and sound very proud, so to speak. Um, uh, so, uh, I think it's important to underscore the fact that humility before Krishna and his teachings may play out in the world in such a way that people question whether someone is humble or not. Bhakti Siddhanta saraswati Thakur gave a famous lecture during uh, a, a ceremony which was uh, celebrating his appearance in the world, his birth in the world and um, he lectured on, on this verse, said I'm sitting here above everybody else I may not look very humble but I'm doing this on the order of Mahaprabhu and my guru and so forth so um <clears throat> That's important to just kind of put in place. Uh humility before God doesn't mean we're gonna pull our hands if a tiger attacks us and just be and in and, and, and the name of being humble, right? So we have to have a dynamic idea, theological understanding of of humility. Um yes, and I have mentioned that um it's helpful uh to have a balanced Psychology, um, in the context of pursuing, uh, spiritual life and pursuing bhakti, it's not essential. You can make progress from any stage, but the progress should show up. Mm-hmm. If, for example, in terms of bringing about that, uh, that balance in due course. So, if bhakti enters the the heart and does the cleansing work, some of that cleansing work may involve removing the influences of tamaguna and, and rajaguna or the extent to which one is, so to so speak, out of balance. I think I referred to the Varana Ashram system the other day in dealing with this question, and I made the point that whether one is a sudra that's primarily influenced by tamaguna, according to the system, or a or a Vaisha influenced by Tamaguna and Rajaguna and so on. Um, um, If one acts according to the system and embraces one's conditioning that shows up in the form of a disposition and, uh, and, and propensities to act and so forth, and then does so with an idea that ultimately... I'm working for the for the center for the pleasure of Vishnu, the heart of this of this of the social religious system, then that constitutes being in sattva, in a sense, in a, in that kind of balance. So um so if one's arguably if one is out of balance, then bhakti can help to bring us in balance and then and enable us to go vertically, to grow vertically. So um, if she doesn't have to do as much cleansing work, then she can do more decorating work, if you will. Um, but she functions on on, on both levels. So uh, that said, in relation to your to your question, <clears throat> I think that the the great uh, uh, souls who have expressed, um, humility in their poetry, um, is that, that expression is an outgrowth of their actually coming before, um, Bhagawan, coming within the proximity, if you will, through consciousness of Bhagawan and the natural, um, experience that derives from that. That I'm a finite, I'm infinitesimal. He's infinite. That hmm. I'm coming. The closer I come, the, the infinitesimal comes to the infinite. The more it feels what it means to be infinitesimal. Hmm. As if I may be infinitesimal, but I may not be in proximity to the infinite. So I may, may not have a clear perception of myself. Hmm. But if I come close to the infinite, then I can understand that what it means that I'm infinitesimal and experience it. And so this is a this is is a result of that hmm? coming close to coming within the proximity of the infinite, coming before the infinite, if you will, hmm? Um, uh, feeling small, feeling embarrassed by his infinite magnanimity. Kindness is infinite love Hmm. in my limited capacity to express the same in relation to him in comparison. Hmm. Um, And so that being the case, that those statements and prayers are coming out of that spiritual experience, we should not conflate them hmm, with um, a material sense of um, lacking, or um, well, lack of self-esteem, um, and, and other such things, which are considered a psychological uh, neurosis, if you will, and 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 being out of balance. Mm-hmm. um so uh where then wh- what is our uh it, let's take the shikshastikam there's really three stages of humility that are described there the first stage of humility comes in the second verse where mahaprabhu says i'm embarrassed i have an arthas or other values that i uh, embrace. And even though I know theoretically they're, they're ephemeral, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. Um, and, and even though Harinam, the holy name of Krishna is so full of all his shakti and his power, and it comes to me without any prerequisite on my part other than faith as a, as an act of grace from 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 Bhagawan, he comes to me in the form of his name and uh, he affords me the capacity to do uh, nam um bhajan to chant the names um without requiring any other rules or regulations necessarily being in place he speaks about the magnanimity the kindness the the generosity of Krishna in the form of his name and the fact that he's not attracted to it nonetheless because he has these false values. So he's feeling humble in that way, some lacking in himself. Um, but again, even there, the lacking that he feels in himself is in relation to the kindness, the comparison to the greatness of Bhagavan. Mm-hmm. So that's healthy. Mm-hmm. I feel small in relation to the greatness of Bhagawan. Doesn't mean I have to beat myself up in, in, in every situation, hmm? which would again be more of a psychological, uh, neurosis. Second stage of humility is Mahabharata was actually coming in the vicinity of, of the absolute in the next verse. Nishtha, hmm? And, um, so he's having, you know, beginning to have the experience that the is, are uh, writing about. The last stage is not mentioned per se, but the last stage of Shikshastakam is in, in terms of humility is praying in separation and in union. And if we go to Breda Bhagavatamari, do we find that praying in separation and union fosters humility and humility fosters preem? And at that stage, the two are, are almost, almost synonymous. Hmm. So different uh kind of stages of, of humility. Mm-hmm. But again, it's all centered on Bhagavan and and um and and uh the stages are determined by 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 progress and experience that um, is derived from that. So um I think you have to look at those expressions in that way. And differentiate them from a kind of a of a humility that is feeling bad about oneself which is very self-centered hmm? just see me i'm not good enough i'm this i'm you're just thinking about about yourself <laughs> i'm this i'm that you know I, it's it's thinking about what bhagwan is brings about a natural humility thinking too much about oneself um Can foster pride or can foster humility or an appearance of humility. It's really a self centeredness, um, seeking attention, you know, bringing attention to oneself, one's material sense of self. So it's like material happiness is just one side of the, of the coin. If you flip it over, it's material distress. So kind of a, just a material sense of humility. If you will that, that 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 constitutes psychological neurosis or dysfunctionality and so forth even from a, even from an ordinary point of view isn't isn't really humility it's 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 about bringing attention to oneself um so those are some thoughts does that help
1: oh yes thank you very much Maharaj that uh is yeah, very comprehensive and uh, very helpful thank you very much Hare Krishna. thank you for your question.
0: So the question became six now, so we have five more. Okay. Uh, there is uh, Chaitanya Charan in the Spanish language, if Shama Sundar can translate it, please. And maybe Guru Maharaj, you can briefly repeat it, because some mm. people can't hear the translators. He sent it, it's the last message. A, yeah. I
2: can't hear Shama Can you?
0: Ah, oh, Gurmars, can you go? Can you go in the English channel, Gurmars? And then you can. You can probably hear.
2: In the English channel. Yes, I can. Yeah. Well, the, the okay. He asked questions about the five sum scars given at the time of initiation. Um, this is something that uh, Bhaktivenodakar draws. On, uh, for. And, um, uh, that said, and before going into it, there are different, uh, descriptions of what's involved in or the procedures that surround initiation. Um, for example, in Hari Bhakti Vilas, I think you're given three different possibilities do it like this if not like that do it like this if not like that do it like this Um, so they they, they, there's some relativity with regard to the details surrounding the, the the ritual or essentially the heart of the affair which is imparting of the mantra from the heart of the guru into the ear and into the heart of the of the student um and in different vicinities different things may not be available that would otherwise be auspicious and uh included in the ritual um and so on and so forth but, but having given one and i think two and then maybe a third in haribhakti bhakti rupa sami says if nothing else just impart the mantra that's what it's really all about um it reminds me of when we installed the krishna balaram deities in um in krishna balaram mandir in Vrindavan, which was a three-day affair of brahmins coming and performing all types of rituals and and every now and then there would be a role for the acharya so probably would come out of his room and say something or do something and go back into his room and uh, when it was completed, we performed Namsan Kirtan and the deities were established on the altar. And the prophet said afterwards, actually, all that was for show, just by the and Kirtan, everything was complete. Um, so, uh, I just bring this up in a broader, uh, to broaden the context, hmm? that we may not be focused on details as being essential and without this, it's not in place or that. And, um, Uh, and so forth. Um, You know, we want to bring attention to the event that the student will think something's happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Even though something's happening, if he he or she doesn't think so, because not enough people are there, or not enough, you know, um, ritualistic uh, elements are uh, uh, in place and so forth. But... Uh, yes, these five have been, um, mentioned, I believe by Baladi Bidbusan and picked up on by Bhakti Miltak when he wrote a short essay about it. And those, I, I mean, I don't even know if I can remember, but I'll try. Usually when I'm giving initiation, I, I ask for help. But, uh, um, eh, eh, Nam, and Shamsundar can help me, perhaps, uh, Pundra, uh, Pundra, um, Tapa, uh, yajna and I guess mantra would be the fifth. Or then in English, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me?
0: Yes, you froze just a few seconds, but now we can hear you. Hello, can you hear me? it's yes, Gurmaraj.
2: Yeah. So word Vipundra means t mm-hmm. and Tapa means well, it means austerity. It means um, penance. Uh, by extension, it can mean knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go into that a little bit. And then um, Nam um, means that the disciples is given a name, Krishna Das. Krishnadasi. Um, uh, yagya would be. Um, uh, I suppose you could say. Um, a license. Is given to participate. In the. Uh, Seva Puja. Hmm? Um and mantra means the, the mantra that's imparted. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Urdhva Pundra is the vertical tilak as opposed to the horizontal tilak that the Shaivates wear. It's obviously the, uh, a, uh, a sign by which one externally acknowledges, proclaims, I'm a devotee of Vishnu, of Krishna. Um and within the different sects of Vaishnavism they have different tilak within the godi Vaishnavism there are different paribars or lineages coming from Nityananda coming from Advaita coming from Kadatar, and they have their different tilak um and so on and so forth so it's identifying mark it's it's also included in um in rag bhakti uh mentioned both by, uh, uh, Vishwana and Chandrika and also by, um, uh, Dhyan Chandra Goswami in his Parati. Um, I believe, uh, Vishwana Chakrutitaka were listed as something, uh, cool that's just favorable for the Bhava. Um, Obviously it, it it reminds other it, it informs other people that we're our body is a we're seeing it as a temple of Vishnu and it reminds us as well as they see it and they deal with us accordingly. Um and um uh it's of course we know understood with T lock and in in various places of the body that said to be presided over by different uh uh forms of of Vishnu and their their names are recited as we as we apply the the, uh, the tilak. So uh tapa tapa uh, in other sampradayas the tapa would be to brand the devotee with a like a branding iron with the symbols of Vishnu like see people brand cattle sometimes um to identify them as being part of their their farm. That's a that's a Custom in the West, anyway. Um, so, uh, we don't do that. Chaitanya uh, Mahaprabhu was more generous. So typically we, um, uh, may imprint again using T-lock or sand paste the name of, uh, Krishna. Mm. And that's how I apply that. Mm. I give the t and then I take the Stamp, like a metal or a wooden stamp, and put in the tea log and stamp the body with the name of Krishna. Um, so, so, Urdhva Pundra, tapa, Nama, when we impart a name, where the disciples identified as servant of Krishna, um, and impart the mantra, hmm. and, uh, relative to, if, if it's, if we're giving the, mantra-diksha, then there might be some, um, some explanation about Archon, Marg, uhm, Or oh, Of course, if we're giving, uh, uh, we could look at it another way Nam Namsan Kirtan should, it, should, it, the, the affair should be, um, capped off with Namsan Kirtan. Hmm? That's the yogya of Kali Yuga. Mm-hmm. So, there's some, these are some ways to think about these these items. But the main function is to impart uh, the mantra, to impart the name, give a blessing for chanting the holy name, so forth. Mm-hmm. Next question.
0: Nick, you can ask your question.
2: Um my question is related to Adi can't hear you.
0: Greg, are you in English channel?
2: Yeah, yes, I am. Oh, I was. Now I can hear okay. you. I'm sorry. I was on the English channel. I don't know what happened there. Um, c- uh, can you please share something about adhikar, um, um in particular? What determines it, and is it related at, at all to dharma? Well, adhikar means... Uh like qualification, eligibility. So different people have different um, levels of qualification to uh, participate in um, bhakti, which has a beginning stage, sadhana bhakti, and interim stage of perfection called bhava bhakti and perfection itself, prem bhakti hmm so uh if one doesn't have adhikar for bhava bhakti then one's not going to conduct oneself as one would if one had adhikar had attained hmm, the qualification through bhakti itself been qualified to experience bhava hmm, uh, which then would call on the disciple to engage um himself or herself in ways that they could not effectively do so in Sadhana Bhakti. Hmm. Um, uh, we find uh Chaitanya Mahabrabhu setting an example for us. He was a public figure, he preached widely, he did Dhamsa and Kirtan. Hmm. And through the medium of that, that kind of practice, um, he was turned into a private person by the power of that Hmm. Um, and then he began uh, conducting himself differently Hmm. although within the context of bhakti because he he had gained adhikar Hmm. Uh, eligibility for higher level if you will of of practice if you can can call it that Hmm. Um, um and his bhakti of course is driven by emotion and spontaneous and so forth rather than by I should do this because it's the right thing to do or my guru has told me to, um, um which is more relative to uh to sadhana bhakti. Mm-hmm. So uh 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 We find another example of b- books that have been written often speak about in, in their Mongolicharn in their beginning auspicious invocation who this is who's eligible to read this, who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that's another example. So a book about Bhakti. Someone much in regard for bhakti, just a jnani uh, or a materialist, and they have eligibility to really understand it, to enter into it, to, to really connect with it and so forth. So that's the general idea. I mean, the broad sense of vādhikāra for bhakti is that if one has faith in the efficacy of bhakti and what bhakti is, as explained in the shastra, one is qualified to take up the path even though they may be ineligible on other levels mm, of, in terms of what's required for other transcendental paths like yoga and jnana, which speaks of their weakness mm, in comparison to bhakti that doesn't require that you have that much eligibility mm, to practice but merely faith, you need faith to practice yoga that's going to work, you need faith to practice gyan but you need more. You have to have pass, pass through according to the Gita of, of Nishkam Karma Yoga, Nishkam Karma. You have to have passed through that to become a Jnani. Hmm? Um, so, uh, Bhakti is more generous and more powerful. Hmm? So the fact that we may be less qualified to pursue transcendence than someone who has passed through Nishkam Karma and, and, and so forth we can immediately take up bhakti, um, speaks of her power, hmm? her generosity and her power. Of course, bhakti is nirguna rather than driven by sattva guna, which of yoga and gyan are driven by. So those are some thoughts about eligibility. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Okay.
0: Shamasundar, can you read the message, the questions from Govinda Dasi? Um, it's uh, Shirod Preguna de Nahuel, Argentina. Hare
2: so, if I understand it, the question is that uh, in some institutions, devotees are living in a very insular Type of environment, and they're not encouraged or they're even led to believe it's wrong to voice an opinion that's different than the group uh, think and understanding. And, and because other Gaudiya sects may have a different understanding of the same subject, slightly or a nuanced understanding they're then um, isolated from those other groups as well. So what can one do to help such devotees break out of such an insular um, perspective and, you know, the, the guilt that comes with that and the, uh, the uh, black and white thinking and, 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 quite clearly that the sectarianism that this this fosters. I believe that's that is the question. Well I think that um some devotees flourish in that type of an environment in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, weak faith that is said requires an enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh Sometimes Prabhupada preached in a way that might foster that kind of thinking. He was once asked about that by um, Dr. Kapoor, his godbrother. And uh, he was told, uh, and, and Dr. Kapoor said, this could be a problem going forward. Your disciples won't listen to anybody else, even though somebody else like me, might have something to say to them. I can see that, you know, I can advise them in some instances that they've misunderstood and so forth on something. So Prabhupada said, well, no, it's not like that. I've uh, What I've done is I've planted a seed of a tree and I put a fence around the tree to protect it. Like here, we have many deer. If you plant a Japanese maple tree, then early days of that Sapling, the the deer will come and eat the leaves and hinder um, its growth. So you put a fence around it. Mm -hmm. But Prabhupada said, in time, mm -hmm, if it grows healthy, then the tree will overflow the fence. And even some deer take a few leaves. It's not a big deal. It's strong enough to even, and generous enough to be able to to, uh, afford that. Um, so that was his idea, not therefore that they would stay in that position forever. So that's a good analogy to bring up to such devotees that Prabhupada himself, um, cited. Um, and, um, um, at the same time as I began, some devotees are comfortable with, with that because of the stage that they're at. Those who are starting to feel uncomfortable with it, hmm, then maybe those are the persons, the type of devotees that you're talking about and how to help them. The other type who's comfortable with it, you're probably not going to get too far trying to help them. When they start to feel uncomfortable with that, hmm, and then they're growing, starting to grow wings a little bit, hmm, then, then they're in a position where they're in, you know, more of a teachable, um, moment. And then, of course, the best way to teach is, is, is by your own example. But, um, it may be also possible to point out to them how Prabhupada, for example, if you're talking about, let's say, the ISKCON society, which, which tends to be insular, um, um, and, uh, you know, at least they uh tout the idea that they're exclusively devoted uh to Prabhupada. I think that there are ways, even within Prabhupada's books, to point out to them that Prabhupada has also shown what he's talking about when he talks about this tree overflowing, the branches and so forth, because he he may have made statements, you only have to read my books, don't read any other books, and so on and so forth. Uh, you can show how he said other things mm, to, to the exact contrary. In the opening purport of the first verse of, the first canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam. he says that students would do well to read the commentaries of Vishwanath Chakritakras, Nhatan Goswami, Jiva Goswami, and, and so on and so forth. So you can find an endorsement of a more inclusive perspective within Prabhupada's own words, his own writing, in his own books that could then be presented to such devotees. Mm -hmm. And and, and they could see that Prabhupada himself is speaking about that. And so you make the obvious point using this analogy. Well, some statements were made for those who needed a fence around. Other statements to be made for those who who are growing healthy and they're starting to feel uncomfortable with the fence. Hmm? Well, the fence is, is, is is provisional. It's provisional. Hmm? It's good that you're feeling uncomfortable with the fence. Hmm? And now here's insight in the texts and the writings and words of prophet himself that support that Hmm? and how he himself conducted himself. Hmm? And, um, and, you know and the the fact that um he had friends hm and what he said about them how he interacted with them how he described Pujyapatrida Marsh for example as his siksha guru hmm? how he regarded him hmm? he criticized him in one letter but in six or eight others he praised him and, and many other statements and he lived with him for many years and so So, you know, if they're already in a position where they're feeling a little uncomfortable with the fence, then you help them with uh, statements from Prabhupada himself. That's what I would uh, uh, suggest and just just kind of common sense and an emphasis on the fact that they they're not meant to be non-thinking people. Spiritual life is not meant to think for you, but to teach you how to think. Hmm? It's more than, more than teaching you what to think. It's about how to think about what I've taught you, how to think about it. So there's a, you have to apply your intelligence also in Krishna consciousness. not that you turn it off hmm? altogether. Now, at a certain point, it may be good to turn it off and just listen. But at a certain point, you have to turn it on and think about the implications. And it's very important, you can explain to them, it's very important that we do this in order to ultimately strengthen our faith. You have to put the metal of our faith in the fire, in the blacksmith's fire, if you will, like steel, to the point where it's about to melt and bring it out, then it will become stronger. So examine your faith, with your intellect. Examine what you do, what you've been told to do with your intellect and understand the why of it, the purpose of it. So it's very important that we don't become trapped in in doing engaged in practices without the reasoning of why, why we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Chant 16 rounds every day. So is it like there's nothing to think about, you just mechanically do the 16 it's done and finished okay or is there a purpose you sit for a couple of hours and focus exclusively are you doing that or are you just you know counting are you chanting or are you counting mm-hmm. um and when you start to think like that you realize you could count less and chant more and and, and still be so you have to become you have to fly you have to fly mm-hmm. Uh, you, nobody's gonna flap the wings for you. The practice will help you to grow wings, and then you're gonna have to fly a little bit, but and yeah, you might, you might fall down, but you, no, you can get up and go again. I don't mean recommending that you go forward in such a way that you make a fall down, but you, but, uh, but, um, there is a struggle, um, to, uh, connect the heart with the head.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so you have a simple heart, faith, and bhakti. Then you think about it, uh, to the implications of it, and so forth. And to, the idea is to make the faith stronger, so you understand the meaning, the purpose, the substance over the over the form. So this is something that um, that um, devotees who are Feeling a little uncomfortable with the fence, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. And they can hear this, this kind of thing to some extent. And, and as I say, in an easy way, in a user-friendly way, you could point it out to them. Here it is, even in Prabhupada's books, the same. So this now is relevant for you. Hmm? Previously, you didn't even see it was there because it wasn't relevant for you. You didn't need it. You read it, didn't, make, didn't register with you. Now look at it. Does it register with you? Does it make sense? Something like that. Hope that helps.
0: Thank you. Now uh, there is another question from the Spanish-speaking uh, devotees. If Shama Sundar can translate uh, the one from Raja Hari, does
2: both? Uh, so the question is about tulsi, and there's a Ram tulsi, which is, tends to be green, and a and a Krishna tulsi, which tends to be purplish, blackish, bluish, um, and in, a, in in a letter to Govinda many years ago, Prophet's disciple Govinda Prabhupada, "There's no oh, difference. There's no difference between Ram and Krishna. They're both Vishnu. So there's no difference between either Ram tells or Krishna tells you Both should be anyone. Either one should be offered something like that. But the question is, there is ultimately a difference theologically between Ram, Ram Lila, Ram Ram Loka, you know, Go, uh, Ayodhya, and and Krishna Loka, Goloka. Um, they are different persons, and." Um, even though, even though they're the same in tattva, with Vishnu tattva. And so is there any way in which one could look at an affinity for one tulsi over another re- relative to one's deity, um, so forth? So first of all, of course, some, these are different strands of the sacred basil or tulsi, the in Vrindavan, and um, uh, I've never seen any practice in Vrindavan that distinguishes between one or the other in terms of offering to Krishna. So Ram Tulsi, uh, uh, Krishna Tulsi are both offered to Krishna. But there may be, from the point of view of a practitioner, hmm, a sense that I'm a worshipper of Krishna, I will grow only Tulsi Krishna, Krishna Tulsi, and offer that to the deity. And if that is, that fosters Affection for Krishna. Then it's. Uh, it's something that, that. I think I lost you. I'm back. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, very much. Thank you. you, you. lost
2: me for a second. So it's, I'm, I'm going to say, say it's not a rule. It's not an absolute. It's not a problem. If you offer a Ram. Tulsi to Krishna or a Krishna Tulsi to Ram, both fine, as Prabhupada said. But for an individual, if offering and growing and caring for Krishna Tulsis, as opposed to Ram Tulsis and making a conscious choice like that, um, and then offering only Krishna Tulsis to Krishna is something that fosters in that sadhaka, more devotion feeling for Krishna and so forth and it, uh, it's acceptable but it's not like a rule, it's not like an absolute but it, it, it may be an attitude that is not is not objectionable hmm? and if, if, if one finds it helpful then there's a place for that hmm?
0: So there's the last question from Indra here she wrote on the chat, Haribaldir Maharaj, in Srimad Bhagavatam, it is written that Lord Shiva was born from Lord Brahma. But isn't Shiva actually much older than that? As in, uh, and she's quoting, Shiva is eternal while the post of Brahma is constantly changing. Brahmas. Um, how was Lord Shiva really born, if at all? Thank you so much.
2: Right Shiva is a manifestation of a um, transformation of Vishnu, and um, there are different at the same time manifestations of Shiva mm-hmm. so with regard to the Shiva born from Brahma that mm, um, doesn't mean that uh, that particular. Manifestation of Shiva, born from from Brahma, is the whole story hmm. on Shiva. It's a particular manifestation of Shiva for for functions within the world. Hmm. in the world. He's eternal, right? Hmm. Um, he has no no birth, so we can look at. Uh, at at, at Shiva in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have the overarching Shiva as Mahavishnu or um, Mahasankarshan. No, not Mahasankarshan. What is the term? Um, uh, Sadashiva. Sadashiva. Kind of the fullest manifestation of Shiva and then there are the Rudras and I think there's several of those types and them. They're the different manifestations of Shiva. But overall, yes, you're correct. Shiva is not a product of Brahma who is in, uh, who, who is, uh, whose position is subject to demise. So Brahma, Brahmas die. Shiva position is, is different in that regard. Still, he may uh, appear from Brahma in some circumstances for certain purposes that are fulfilled in the world by Shiva Tattva. That's not the only thing that Shiva Tattva does. Ultimately, Shiva Tattva, is, as as Sadashiva, is at his own abode and there he's a worshipper of, of uh, Vishnu. And that's beautifully described in in Sanatana Goswami's Prabhat Bhagavatamrita. So, I think we've covered all the questions for today. No?
0: Yes, we did. Um,
2: Somebody says, "What about the manifestation of Lord Shiva that is known as Tripurari? I never heard of him. I don't know anything about him. No, I know a little something about him. Yes." The manifestation of Shiva, known as Triparari, is a manifestation of Shiva. Can you hear me? Manifestation <laughs> of Shiva. At a time in which Shiva is empowered by Krishna. Hmm. Three pur, ari. Tri means three. Pur means city. Ari means enemy. So, story in the Bhagavatam, and it's in other texts as well, is that uh, lives in the eighth canto uh Maya Dhanava manifested three cities and was attacking and uh and so the demigods were in, in 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 distress. They called on Shiva. Shiva came and he was empowered by Krishna to deal with three the three poor. Adi means enemy. He became the enemy of the three cities. He defeated them. Hmm. He defeated Maya Dhanava. hmm Uh but the significant feature of Shiva that in that particular instance, even the power, was the power invested in him by Krishna. Prabhupada told me that your name is Tripurari, so mm-hmm. he told, that, told me that story once in private on his veranda in Mayapur. And so he said, therefore, you should defeat all the demons. <laughs> but by preaching, but shaitan and Mahaprabhu did, not by fighting. So what else? Any other lingering thoughts or questions or comments?
0: Shamananda has something.
1: How do you um so you have explained that uh
0: Vishramba is the Pradhan of Sakyarasa. And I was wondering if you could say some, something about the, the pradhan of the other dresses.
2: Uh Well, it might take a while. Um, um, I don't think it's time to go into that. Not, not neither, neither have I th- taken the time to thoroughly educate myself on that, nor am I sure that the term has been used. By any Acharya to uh, distinguish um, in that way a characteristic of a particular rasa. Um, That said, as I think about it here on the fly, if you will, in the teaching. I believe of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Rupa Goswami and Chaitanya Charitamrita, you're going to find an explanation of the different rasas and how that which is in Shantarasa is also in Dasirasa, but something more is there. And how that which is in Dasirasa hmm, is essentially hmm, in sakirasa but something more so something more is the Mm vishrama. is that uh, feeling that does away with the reverence for example that we find in dasya that causes some separation between the object of love and service and the servitor Mm -hmm. so in, in dasya bhakti Dasirasa, there's some regard for the deity that's, that is absolutely not present in, in the full face of, of, of Sakirasa. So it's, it's, it's characteristic, it's that intimacy. So if you go now and go backward to Dasirasa and you look at that, which distinguishes it from Santarasa, Shantarasa, you can call that the Pradhan, arguably, of Dasirasa. Now, if you go forward, which is questionable, whether you should take vatsalya Rasa as the third or put it in the second position. And there are different ways to think about that. But if you go, according to, as it's explained in Jaitanacharya, you go to Sakura, from Sakuras to Dasyras, then the ingredients there are there. But there, there's something more. So there's a sense of, uh, I forget what the term is in vatsalya Rasa, but that Overriding protective, um, feeling, you know, to, toward, towards Bhagavan. And then if you would so that would be comparatively the Pardhan of Vatsalirasa. And then you go from there to Madhurya in that way. Now it's important to note, um, in this description that Rupa Goswami is not saying that Anyone in Dasya Rasa has at his or her disposal the entire experience of Shanta Rasa, or anyone in Vatsali Rasa has the entire experience of at will of Dasya and Vatsali or Dasya and, and Shanta, or anyone in Madhuri Rasa has all the Rasas within him. Therefore, he gives an example to clarify uh what he's saying and he gives the example of the five elements earth, water, fire air, ether so uh, in ether there is sound, in air there is sound and what touch in water there is sound, touch and taste in fire there is sound, touch, taste and what Sight, no, sound, touch, taste. What's the, anyway. Yeah, yeah. sight. Yeah, Uh, but but you could see water. And then then there's sound, touch, taste, and sound, touch, taste. I'm missing one. Sound, touch, too. Taste, sound, touch, smell, and Ether, anyway, in, 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 in earth, all of them are there. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of it. sound, touch, taste, sight, and smell. So all five are in earth. But it's not that if you're holding earth, let's say, you have the experience of holding water. Mm-hmm. Although there is water in earth. So in Maduria rasa, for example, it's not that you just decide, I think I'll taste sakya rasa because that's within me, and now I'm gonna be a Saka. Mm-hmm. No. But some some aspect of sakya is also is also is also present and something more. Mm-hmm. But each one is complete in itself. So it's not that in Madury Rasa, well uh, if he wants to taste Sakya rasa, he can go there. And, Therefore, it said, well, you know, Radharani wants to take Satya Rasa, that's Subal, kind of a Kaiviva male form of, of uh, if you will, of, 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 you could say, of, of, uh, manifest as Subal, just as she has manifestations of different aspects of herself that are different gopis and so forth. So, so, that's the way I think you look at the distinguishing characteristic of each rasa. Uh, it's not the of some it's hesitant and the perdon of what's all is this, but that distinguishing characteristic is the same. The same. That, that's what he's talking about. Thank you for the question. Okay. Thank you all. Nice to be with you. Hope to be with you again next week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like Bye. Bye. Cool. Bye. See you next week.